an approaching presence. Joe wasn't sure how she knew through all the layers of insulating fog, but some small sound combined with instinct told her that a predator was approaching. Like warm sunshine through chill morning mists, another small sound confirmed the danger, and that warning began to dissipate the narcotic mists. Joe became aware of her hands, splayed out on the ground, the feel of cool concrete beneath her tingling fingers. Central, Jackie shouted, standing above Joe. I've got a situation. I need the medics here yesterday. Joe's down. Cause unknown. Jackie's startled scream filled the air and Joe's eyes fluttered open, but all she could see was the concrete floor. Quick footfalls, three quick impacts, flesh on flesh, pop, 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 then two impacts with the floor. The dull metallic clank of a dropped gun, then the composite crash of an unconscious or possibly dead body. Black, thoroughly polished shoes before her half-closed eyes. Surprise brought another small rush of energy, and she opened her eyes fully. The stranger's shoes were inexpensive formal wear, the kind of thing you wore to a job where you had to dress respectably but not stylishly. They weren't rugged enough to be worn by an operator. They weren't stylish enough to be worn by a lawyer. But they had the comfortably stout aesthetic that somehow said DMV to Joe. The stranger's pants and socks were as black as the shoes with a crisp crease at the shin. So, not DMV. Manager at an Orbison-themed auto dealership? Behind the stranger's feet, Jackie's crumpled body lay, blood flowing across her face from ruptured vessels in her nose. Between the stranger's feet, not far from Jackie's hand, was a small, sleek, palm-sized pistol. From nowhere, the categorization entered her mind as if she were reading from an equipment manifest. Smith & Wesson M&P Shield, 9mm subcompact. Available but not recommended for duty, due to magazine size and unnecessary external safety. The sight of her friend, hurt or dead, gave Joe another brief rousing, so she was able to feel the rough hands pushing her over onto her back. Her glassy and shivering eyes showed her the stranger's silhouette against a backdrop of the garage lights above. Though he was backlit and her vision was still blurred, it appeared that the rest of his clothes belonged to the same all-black basic formal wear theme. Shirt, jacket, and overcoat, all a basic black. So this is what a Sears assassin looks like, Joe thought. The stranger knelt above Joe, a hand reaching out to her neck. Joe tried to flinch away, but the phantom anesthesiologist was again at work and she remained still. The medical-sounding alarm sounded again, and the stranger's head snapped to Jackie. He retrieved her purse and searched it with practiced efficiency. He dropped the purse, holding a small device in his hands. It looked like a tablet in that it was about the right size and had a touchscreen the stranger was now using to silence the alarm. It didn't look like a normal tablet in that it was thick. Less than an inch thick, but maybe five times as thick as Joe's tablet. It had a chunky utilitarian look of hiking or military equipment, rather than the sleek aesthetic that dominated consumer electronics. The stranger spent a moment more prodding the tablet, from time to time looking from it to Joe. He knelt again at Joe's side as she lay, helpless on the concrete floor. He leaned in and pulled the left side of Joe's shirt collar away from her neck and seemed to examine the area, tracing across her collarbone with one finger while he regarded the tablet from Jackie's purse. Finally, he dropped the tablet into one of his jacket pockets and again regarded Joe, seemingly lost in thought. As he knelt beside her, Joe got a better look at his head and shoulders, though his face was still masked in a shadowy blur. She could clearly see the contrasting white of his collar. So, she thought, not a Sears assassin, a priest. A kick-ass priest.
Of course. Suddenly her dream returned to her, seemingly springing upon her from the dim gray mists that filled her eyes and mind, kneeling before the terrifying priest with no face as he stood at the altar holding his magical hourglass. This priest seemed to be in everyday clothes and not the flowing white vestments from her dream. Still, she heard the familiar scraping snap-click of a lock-blade knife locking open. Sleek and sinister in Joe's distorting vision, the small blade came up between them, partially occluding the white of the priest's collar. On the back of the hand holding the knife, an old, ugly scar crawled across the knuckles of all four fingers. Joe's eyes widened in surprise, but not from the approaching knife. She knew that scar, and not from the shower. But from where? Suddenly, she was more curious than afraid as the priest bent over her and his knife moved toward her throat.